All right, before we kick things off here, we now have for sale Adventurous Gentleman hats and t-shirts. So just follow the link either in the show notes or below this episode and you can check those out. Also, if you would like to get a discount on your supplements, head on over to mountainops.com, enter the coupon code TAG10 at checkout and you will get yourself 10% off your order. Also, for you optics enthusiasts out there, Maven has now come out with a rifle scope to go along with their set of fantastic spotting scopes and binoculars. If you'd like to get some free Maven swag with your order, just enter the coupon code NBHGIFT at your checkout and they will send you some free Maven swag. Now on to the show. Old and young ladies and gentlemen, Today we're kicking off a new series uh, for the Adventurous Gentleman, and it's going to be where I interview our content contributor, our team members, if you will, the guys who put the time and effort in to write the awesome articles that you can head over to theadventurousgentleman.com and read. Today's first guest, his first article was published just last night. And it's called A Man Called Jack, and it is authored by today's guest, Corey Arola. So, Corey, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It is my pleasure. And I'll be honest, when you when I put the feelers out there to see who would be interested to be a content contributors, when I heard from you that you were interested, uh, my heart jumped a little. I got I got pretty excited because I know you are an extremely talented and hardworking individual with a great eye for pictures yeah. and media. So I was pretty stoked. And for those of you who aren't following Corey and don't know what I'm talking about, head over to his Instagram, which I think is, is Corey Arola on Instagram, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so head on over. Yeah. Follow him on Instagram, and you'll see what I'm talking about. There was an awesome picture I think you posted yesterday. You weren't the photographer, but you were the subject matter of it. And yeah, yeah. My uh, buddy and I were uh, out in Nebraska hunting some uh, pheasants, and he got a great shot of me putting some shells back in my shotgun. <laughs> and I think your caption was, even when I don't kill a bird, my buddy captures the photo. Yeah, I, I missed my shot. I missed my shot, but he didn't miss his shot. And it's a great photo. <laughs> yeah, that's, which can sometimes be better. <laughs> In this hey, case, it's a success either way. Yeah, it was a great photo. You know, even though you missed the bird. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. What to you? You're a photographer. You do a lot of media. What's like the worst thing that's ever happened when you're recording? Well, uh, sometimes you hit that red button, but you don't hit that red button. A lot of times when you're in the field and you're you're shooting something active, uh, you're more focused on what you're doing versus the actual camera. So, uh, so many times I've hit record, but not hit record. And you go back and let your camera, thinking that you captured something awesome, and you have nothing recorded. Or you turn the camera on, but not the microphone. And, and you got a great video, but no audio. 
that's that's the worst. There's nothing when you're out there in the field and you're the guy responsible for capturing the moment. There's nothing worse than when something great happens and you were thought you thought you could have sworn you pressed that button to record or turn that microphone on and you go to review it and you're like, huh, is this camera broken? It's not in here or there's no audio. And then you got to be like, hey, guys, I uh, I didn't hit the button. Yeah, doing podcasts, I've definitely had a few moments and it, it just a pit in my stomach when I have to tell the person I'm interviewing, hey, yeah, uh, I forgot to press the record button about 20 minutes ago. So if we could just go back to the beginning and start over, that would be great. Hey, for some people, it might be better. It's like, all right, you got the jitters out. Now uh, you get to try again. <laughs> or for true. other ones, you're like, man, I missed some gold. Yeah, that, It never uh, comes out better the second time. It all, it's always perfect the first time. No, it doesn't. That's That's one of the reasons I try to hit record as soon as we start talking. Because for some reason, the first things said before people know they're being recorded are always the best things they say. And then I tell them like, Hey, I started recording like five minutes ago. Oh, it's it's no joke. As soon as someone is in front of a a camera lens or in front of a microphone, like their brain shuts off and they forget how to communicate. They forget how to, what to do with their hands or start blinking or whatnot. Crazy how it gets you so nervous. It does. <laughs> and I actually just recorded a live video. And no matter how many videos I've done, I will always get a little bit nervous. And so I wrote everything out and I just read it verbatim. So I had to use no brain muscles whatsoever. Hey, there's a reason Ron Burgundy could read the news, right? <laughs> there, there is. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, Corey. Uh, for those people out there who don't know, uh, Corey works for Kafaru International, and he also works with the Fit for the Hunt guys, helping out there. And what else are you into, and how did you get into the outdoors? Uh, I've been in the outdoors since I was a little kid. Um, from Colorado, grew up here. Um, so... I was camping at like three or four months. I think my parents have a photo of me in a tent, super young. So they were always taking me out doing stuff and just fell in love with that lifestyle and try to get outside as much as I can. As I got older, I started exploring a little bit more and seeing what I could get into. And that's when I started getting more into big game hunting. Grew up just doing small game and turkey with my dad and a lot of backpacking in the summer. And that transitioned perfectly into where I am now working with a backpack company doing backpack hunting. Now, did you have to go get a degree in backpack making or what was your education like, or <laughs> was there prerequisites no, actually, for the job? Uh, uh, pretty much the prerequisite was that I'm out in the field doing this already as a lifestyle. So when a customer calls in and has questions about what gear they should use, whether it's ours or other equipment that you use in the backpacking field because not everything you use when you're backpack hunting is from the hunting industry. And I was, I think I did my first backpacking trip when I was like seven years old or so with my dad, just a short one mile in just to experience it. And then from there we started going on a trip or a few trips every summer. So I, I gained a lot of knowledge through all the years 
just being in the field, which like that's something that you can't learn from reading on the internet or someone telling you about it. You just got to go out there and experience it. So now when a customer calls in and asks for a recommendation, they have knowledge from someone that's spent a lot of time in the field. I'm new to the archery side of it, but I'm not new to being in the backcountry and being outside for long periods of time. I always see you on different sites or forums or uh, Facebook groups. People have questions, and you are right on top of them with answers. Yeah, it's like when I'm sitting at Kafaro answering questions over the phone or over email, I get a computer in front of me, so it makes it pretty easy to be active um, on all those channels and provide the information. Like if you have it, you might as well share it with people. As long as they're not asking for your hunting spot, it's good to share information. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and do you still get to make it outside with your dad a lot, or what's that like now? Yeah, we get out a fair amount. Um, he retired a couple of years ago, so he has a lot of free time. The, the trips have gotten easier as he's gotten older, but we still get out a fair amount. Every uh, Our big one is every fall now we go out on a deer hunt. Um, for third rifle here in Colorado and so you get what, out for a week ish and that would be mule deer yeah mule deer out here that's awesome get out to the uh, northwest side of the state that's just a great time to share with your dad it sounds like yeah no it's it's great we uh we pick the spot that's uh easy enough to or easy enough terrain for him to get around in and there's a fair amount of deer so we always go out there and have a blast together that's awesome what else are you into other than mule deer hunting and backpacking because you sent me a lot of photos and i was like damn this guy gets outside and he gets after it i i love being outside exploring um if i'm not in town having to do work i'm usually trying to find some adventure to go on doesn't really matter as long as it's outside i grew up uh snowboarding also and then taught snowboarding for a long time got into uh getting in the backcountry with that with a split board so i did that for a fair amount of time it's kind of toned down the last couple years just because everyone moving to colorado is making so much ski traffic it's almost not worth it anymore yeah that is a bummer i think uh aaron told me a while ago it's like twelve thousand people a month or something are moving to colorado it's ridiculous. It drives that used to be 10, 15 minutes and now like 45 minutes. It's uh, for being a native. It's you, when you see the change, it's been a huge hassle, but it's great for the economy at the same time. So you don't know if you'd be happy or upset, but I know when you're sitting in traffic, you're like, this sucks. Oh, uh, and there's nothing worse than just being stuck in traffic. When I was uh, teaching snowboarding, I could get back and forth to the ski area. It was like a 45-minute drive one way. And now, uh, the last couple of years, there's been a few weekends where two, two and a half hours to get there. This just is ridiculous at this point. In two and a half hours, I can be in Canada from my house. (laughs) (laughs) And it takes me two and a half hours for 53 miles. Oh, that's, that's like what? 20 something miles an hour <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh that breaks my heart for you <laughs> like i could run there in the same time yeah i think a lot of people from colorado are fleeing to idaho and then the problem is just gonna follow you yeah 
Yeah, you got to be ahead of that curve. Yeah, you do. And it doesn't sound like the curve's going to last long these days. Everybody wants to head out west. Yep. I mean, once everyone has that idea in it, whether it's skiing or hunting or just being in the mountains. But as soon as you get there and experience it, like on your first vacation, you're like, man, I got to figure out a way to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that. I went to Crested Butte on a couple of backcountry skiing trips, and it was right after college and man i thought i'm gonna get back here get back here and then it just wore off and i didn't feel that way anymore i'm glad i stayed here but you know it is a beautiful state with a lot of great outdoor stuff so you know there's something for every season like you're never bored at all that that's why i have so many photos of being out in the field because it doesn't matter what time of the year is you can find something to do Right. And, and that, it's always, it's always going to be something fun too. On that note, how did you, when you go out in the field, you're not just hanging out, you're taking a lot of pictures. How did you get into photography? Well, that's, it's a kind of weird story. Um, you remember those flat cameras that took film? Like, shoot, that must've been 25 years ago or so now that these were around. We found a couple at the thrift store. Um, and my mom gave them to my sister and I without film so we could pretend that we were taking photos. And I used to just go all over pretending to take photos of everything. And as I got older, she'd give me a disposable camera every now and then. And I just kind of always had this idea that taking photos was awesome. So as I got older and older, I finally was able to purchase my own camera and started taking photos with a point and shoot. And then in college, I designed, decided to sign up for a photojournalism class because I needed a, uh, a minor for my degree. So I was like, well, I like taking photos. I'll do this photojournalism class and pick photojournalism as my minor. And it all stemmed from there. I just picked up a DSLR and kept running with it as a hobby. Uh, always posted to my page, ran a blog for a while just because I liked sharing my photos with people. And this was before Facebook and Instagram were big. So I would go out and take photos on my trips of things that not everyone got to see because not everyone was in the backcountry and it wasn't shared as uh, frequently as it is now. So I was always come back with all these photos from my trips to share with everybody. And my skill as a photographer kept growing and I kept taking more and more photos. And now I have a couple great platforms to share photos instantaneously with everybody. Yeah, that is one of the best benefits of social media is you get to see so many things you just didn't before, unless you're picking up like a National Geographic or an outdoor magazine. Yeah, no, and it, and because camera technology has grown just as quick as the sharing platforms, uh, your cell phone has a great camera in it, so you can get a, a quality photo there. And I, quality's subjective, of course, because your cell phone's not going to take a photo that you can make a mural out of or necessarily a, a magazine quality print, but it's, it's good enough for a, a phone screen or a computer screen, but you can get a quality photo and share that memory or, or share that scene with everyone else as soon as you have enough service to post to the internet. And taking that photojournalism class and all the classes that went along with that minor, what were some of the things you learned about photography or journalism that you're still using today? Well, uh, 
photojournalism is a little bit different than photography because photography is an art, whereas photojournalism is you're capturing a moment in its realism because in order for it to use it in a journalistic aspect, you can't alter it in any way. So we learn to shoot it correctly the first time. Of course, like your beginning classes are the, the working the camera and using that technology and just knowing in, in manual mode, knowing what each setting does and how to manipulate it to take a photo. But then you learn how to manipulate those to take the photo you're seeing so you can take it right the first time because we weren't allowed to edit. All we could do is, so digital is not quite as good as film. So all we could do is white balance, sharpen and color correct and that was it we couldn't crop um, Photoshop does some amazing things and we weren't allowed to do that because it was a journalism class so that really forced me to be a, a good photographer behind the camera and not say hey just like just take a bunch of photos and work on it and post because then you can get what you want it was shoot it right the first time and do you think that has made you a better photographer because you didn't have, say, any, I don't want to call them crutches, but um, shortcuts, yeah, it, maybe? It, it makes you better for, yeah, it, it made you a, a better photographer because you can't fake it. And, and that goes along with, um, I was going to get into that with the, the cell phone stuff. It, it's hard to be a photographer now because it's so easy to fake it with how the technology has grown in the cameras and how the technology has grown in post-production, is you don't have to be a good photographer and you can still take really high quality photos because the cameras and the computers are so good. But if you're a photographer, you can see the difference between someone that shot it correctly and didn't have to touch it up in post versus someone that put a lot of digital manipulation into it. And not everyone with a, like a, a layman, someone that isn't in the, the photography world, they don't always notice that stuff. But as a photographer, you, you tend to pick up on it pretty quick, whether someone knows what they're doing or doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, I would look and have no clue for sure. I just know if I like it or if I don't like it, and that's about it. <laughs> I, I do it a lot. I go through my page, and I, I talk to some people because I'm always looking for feedback, and you can't tell what photo I shot with my cell phone versus what I shot with my DSLR as long as we're on a computer screen or a cell phone screen. But if I try to pull up that photo to like its, its normal file size, if you wanted to use it for a print or something, and it's real obvious which ones are the cell phone photos. And do you have any photographers or people you've looked up to or aspired to in their work? Uh, yeah, Jimmy Chin is the one that caught my eye right off the bat. And, and you know, you know what's funny is before I asked this question, I thought in my head, I wonder if he'll say Jimmy Chin because that hundred percent. When it comes to outdoor photography, that's the guy I'm just I'm just stunned by sometimes. And it's not it, only story is amazing too. It, that's the thing. It's not just like the fact that he's out there, and on top of that, he's doing some just crazy things. But he's also capturing some beautiful images in ways I never looked at things before, and. That's it's to get into that area of photography. It takes unique sets of skills in both fields. Like you have to understand how to work your camera, but you also have the skills to put you in that environment and put you in that place. So like 
he's just as good as an athlete or better of an athlete than the than the subjects he's shooting because he has to get there before him with 20, 30 pounds of camera gear and put himself in this precarious situation to take the photo of them doing what they do. Yeah, going going down that uh, fitness level kind of chain, I watched a segment the other day done by North Face on Alex Honnold and Renan Oz-Turk. I can't pronounce his last name, but yeah, no, I, I know who you're talking about. And he's he's a really great climber and photographer, videographer, and one thing he they show in this trip it's like man Renan just was not in the shape he needed to be in for whatever climbs they were doing in like Alaska or wherever the hell it was and Jimmy Chin I just see he's out there with Conrad Anchor he's still summoning mm-hmm. stuff all the time so if you're not out there continually sharpening that axe, it'll get very, very dull very quickly. And you, you mentioned something there with the photographer's not only got to get there, but he's got to get there first and he's got to do it with 30 extra pounds. Yeah. Because with, with extreme activities like that, it's not like you can be like, Hey guys, hold on. Let me go over here and get set up. It's like we're on a time schedule. We're climbing before the sun gets up and makes the snow too soft and we're running the risk of avalanches, or we got to get up and down before a storm rolls in. So everything's fast-paced, so you can't hold anyone back just because you are trying to use a camera. You have to integrate it into what's happening around you and make it seem like you're not even there. Which is kind of interesting because you think about it. If, say, you want to get a guy climbing during the sunrise or hiking during the sunrise on a hunt, anything like that, and you want to get a good angle, you're going to have to be up there way before the sun comes up. Yep. Yeah. You, you got to get up first. You got to hike first and then you get back down and usually to bed last as you're saving cards or cleaning your equipment or whatnot. So, yeah, first. Uh, camera guys don't get enough respect for uh, what they do, whether it's, it's photo or video. When you, you look at documentaries that are taken or, or films that are done, you look at the athlete and you praise the athlete, but you forget the camera guys working a little bit harder than the athlete they're shooting to get all these shots. Yeah, and they're definitely the unsung hero when it comes to outdoor photography or videography. Because I'll watch these things and be like, how the heck did they get this shot? And then you pan out sometimes and you see like Jimmy Chin's going up and down, up and down, up and down, running a camera on this mountain or the side of a rock face all day long mm-hmm. yeah he, he's got to climb it 30 times for them to climb it once and is there any other photographers you look up to or motivate you in what you do not really um i used when i was younger in school learning about it i used to look up a bunch of different photographers to see what they were doing but that kind of transition into like, okay, I know how to work a camera. I have my own eye. It's cool to like hop on National Geographic and just scroll through stuff and see a photo and like, oh man, who took this? And just look at it. But I really don't like to go through and look at one person in particular and then jump to another name and see what they're shooting. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like you want to just have your own style and not have that tainted and start trying to shoot like other people. 
Um, but that's at the point where I am now. When I was learning it, I love to look at everyone else's photo and like, how did they do this? How can I take a photo like that? Just so you can learn that technique. Right. Right. And obviously the photo and photojournalism you've nailed. How did you get interested in the journalistic side of it? And how is that affecting you now in the things you write for, say, The Adventurous Gentleman? It, it, it was the same thing with photography. I just like sharing what I'm experiencing for the people that can't get out there and do it or don't know about it. So it's just a, a way to uh, convey that message, I guess. And uh, I'm not the greatest writer. I do a whole lot better with photo, and then I'm starting to dab in, dabble in video a little bit. Um, but it's just, this is where I go. This is what I do. This is the only way I know how to show you it because words just don't do it justice if I'm trying to tell you the story. You can't just go on a backpacking trip and be like, I saw this great sunrise. It came up over the trees and the sun was glistening. Like, not everyone can picture that in their head, but if you can, if you can do a, a, a few photos of this and put the story together, all of a sudden your, uh, the words that you're telling them come together a whole lot more and they're like, okay, like I, I have this, I have a better idea of what you're experiencing and maybe it makes them want to get out there or maybe they can just appreciate it better and understand why you go do that, why you go sleep on the ground and hike in 10 miles. Yeah, a photo can take your journalism a lot farther. And then that's what I'm starting to like about videos. You can get a little bit more creative with it. It's a different media and I'm figuring that out, especially because I no schooling for that. I'm just figuring that as I go. Luckily, there's YouTube to help you with pretty much everything. <laughs> Gotta love YouTube University. Yeah. Uh, can't figure out how to do something. Just do a quick Google search and see what articles and what videos pop up. And usually there's a video of someone doing exactly what you need to do. And you can watch it and figure out how the computer or the camera works. And then you go play with it a little bit. So coming up, is there anything cool or exciting you've got going on maybe this spring or summer that we can look forward to on the website? I don't have any uh, big hunts or trips planned yet. Um, I was doing some research yesterday a little bit trying to figure out what I want to do because the uh, Colorado application is in May. So I'd like to figure out what tags I'm, I can draw, uh, figure out what I'm what I might want to draw and then start looking at some maps before we get uh, too close to the application deadline. And there will definitely be backpacking and camping trips coming up. Just haven't finalized or planned anything specific yet. And I know with my schedule, I like to be out every day that I can. So there will definitely be adventures coming up. As soon as I figure out what I want them to be, they'll start getting booked for weekends. So I know where I'm going and what I'm doing. And as far as uh, fitness goes, I know you do the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge and Train to Hunt. What got you into that? I grew up playing soccer, so I, I loved being athletic. And as soon as I joined the archery world, I was like, oh, this is really cool. There's a way to go test ourselves. So I first year I did archery, I signed up for Train to Hunt. And it's a very humbling experience the first time you do it. You're not, you read about it and you hear about how tough it is, but you don't really know how tough it is until you uh, 
go out there and try it. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this is uh, this is no joke. I was not at all prepared for this. Until you're then, on the line and <laughs> Phil Mendoza's blowing your doors off and you're like, ah, yeah. huh, didn't see this coming. <laughs> so just, just with my personality, as soon as you do it, you're like, well, that was a struggle. I bet I could do better at it. And then you go and you try every year to try to improve. So I, I've been having a lot of fun with that. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do trade and hunt this year just with the uh, the format change and trying it last year. Wasn't super impressed by it, but uh, the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge is a blast. I'm definitely going to do as many of those as I can. Yeah, and luckily you live in the perfect location to be doing that. Yeah, just 15 minute drive to his shop, and I can be there for almost every one of them. Yeah, you'll have to keep us uh, up to date. Maybe we can do a whole series on your progression as you go through the year. Hopefully, you getting better as you go. Uh, every year I do a little bit better. When, when, as soon as you experience and you figure out how you need to prepare yourself for it, then you can better prepare yourself for it the next year. Yes. And you know what? I, I, I got my lunch eaten last time I came out, and I did not expect that to happen the way it did. So this year I'm going to be trying my best to make it out there for a little bit of redemption. That's good. I, you'll have a, a blast now that you know what to expect and how to prepare yourself a little bit more. You're going to come out and it won't seem as daunting. And as soon as you relax and have a little bit more fun with it, it gets a lot easier. There's some great advice right there, Corey. That, that's what I found. It's like, it's, cause I'm, like, even though I played competitive sports growing up, I'm, I'm not not a super competitive person. Like I just like to go out there and, and have fun and experience it. And I found that as soon as I stopped thinking about, Oh, how's, how's everyone else doing? How fast are they running? How are they shooting targets? I was like, look, like just run, go out here, run your own race, try to break your clays, laugh while you do it. I found that I was doing a whole lot better. Um, obviously I was better prepared than the previous years, uh, physically and mentally because I knew what I was doing. But I think that relaxation and enjoying the moment is, key to performing better i'd agree with you 100 percent. and i know we touched on your instagram earlier but one more time where can people follow you check you out or if they uh maybe like Corey, you sound awesome let's go hunting together where can they get a hold of you yeah uh, both my facebook and my instagram are Corey arola and the last name is a-r-o-l-a um i have a youtube channel that i started that has a few videos um Still working on getting more content on there, uh, and that's the the same name as well. The channel is just called Corey Rolla, I believe. That's good. It's a good thing to keep it simple. Makes it easier. <laughs> yeah, it's, having your name for stuff is way easier than trying to uh, come up with a clever handle that has some numbers and some letters all mixed together for creative spelling. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, on that note, everybody out there. Check Corey's article out. Check out that Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channel. And until next time, for the Adventurous Gentleman podcast, live your life with vigor.